Hi there, and welcome to the Business of Adventure podcast. Conversations with entrepreneurs who have built profitable businesses around their passion for adventure activities. In each episode, we hear their stories, the challenges they have faced along the way, and take away insights to help you start, grow, and manage your business in the outdoor industry. I'm your host, Adam L. And this is the first episode of the Business of Adventure after the trailer. So I wanted to take the time in this episode to tell you a bit about who I am, what business it is that I run, what got me into that business and some of the previous projects, businesses that I've I've failed in before that have taught me some really valuable lessons and kind of allowed me to be in the position I am now and running the business that I run now. So it's probably going to be a bit of a shorter episode than what I have planned for the future interviews in the coming episodes. But I hope you will find some of the things that I'm going to talk about valuable for whatever situation that you're in now with your own business or planned business. So at the moment, I run a surf and paddleboard school in the northeast of Scotland. It's called Blue Coast Surf and Paddle. And we're into the second year of the business now, the school. And it's been a it's been a great success. It's given me flexibility in my life. I get an off season and get some time to, you know, get some downtime, enjoy time with the family. And it's given me a decent income to support me throughout the year. It lets me get some trips in. And in terms of the actual quality of the work that I'm doing, I get to split my time between being in the water, giving people awesome experiences, being outside. And then the other kind of main way that I spend my time in the business is working on the strategy side actually growing the business and i enjoy both i'd say pretty equally so it's an ideal fit for me yeah i think the reason that i got into this business is probably pretty similar for perhaps yourself or anyone else who's starting a business in the kind of activities industry or the adventure activities industry is i i love uh, surfing i enjoy paddleboarding uh, and it kind of gives me a way to make that a, a bigger part of my life I'll get sidetracked maybe a little bit here, but a lot of the time you hear people talk about when they start a business in their passion, it kind of takes away some of the enjoyment of their passion because they have to do a day in, day out as work. And I think there's probably something in that depending on what it is. But the good thing about Blue Coast, and I imagine most, or well, I know most surf businesses, are that they are seasonal and you get some time to have an off season to get downtime away from teaching day in day out and enjoy the hobby for yourself so i'm pleased to say that that's not something that's affected me in any kind of negative way or in my affected my enjoyment of uh, the sport that i love doing but before i started blue coast i had a couple of other failed endeavors projects businesses depending on what you want to call them which I'd like to talk about because I learned some pretty big lessons from them that have allowed me to make an initial success of Blue Coast and I think would be valuable for anyone really starting probably any sort of business but maybe particularly relevant to people starting activity businesses or adventure activity businesses. But we'll rewind a little bit and I want to talk before I started any sort of business. I joined the police actually in Scotland when I was 19 and I did that for six years. During that time, I didn't really get to surf very much at all, which was a shame. It's what I love to do. 
And I pretty quickly realized when I was in that job that it wasn't something that I wanted to do for my full career. So I'd been surfing for a number of years before I joined the police. And after a, a couple of years in that job, I got into surf photography. I got myself a decent camera and a water housing. As a side note, the camera that I got was a Sony A6000, which I still have that same camera. I'm still using it day in, day out to take photos for Blue Coast. It's been going strong now for close to 10 years. So I would 100% recommend that camera. It's very compact, takes burst photography, so you get a lot of good shots. But, uh, you know, aside from that, I got this camera, I got myself into surf photography, and I decided to make a little bit of a business off the back of this surf photography hobby, essentially, is, is what it was. So my idea was that I would sell photography prints and sessions. So I called the business North Sea Surf Shots, I was based in Aberdeen at the time in the northeast of Scotland, which is one of one of Scotland's few cities and the biggest city in the north of Scotland, I suppose. But, you know, a relatively small city, a relatively small market as well. Just generally the surfing market in Scotland is quite small and we're going to touch on that a, a bit more shortly. But I started this business, North Sea Surf Shots. I made a website with an e-commerce capability. I use Squarespace. Spent a lot of time on this, really a lot of time moving pixels about, getting into the the code of it, like, you know, bashing my head against the keyboard to make the website just so exactly as I wanted it to be. And I was growing it mainly social media, Instagram and Facebook, posting locally using hashtags, engaging with people. Like I knew a lot of people in the surf community in Aberdeen and in Scotland anyway. So I was engaging with people and it started to get a little bit of traction. It made a few print sales. I was selling these photography prints and you could get like a framed print on canvas, a metal print. They were beautiful prints and I wasn't making the prints. So I was taking the photos and I enlisted the services of a photography printing company and basically I would receive a print order from the customer. I would upload the files to this company and they would send the print directly to the customer. So basically drop shipping. And these were high quality prints. So I didn't need to hold stock. It was quite easy to start this business with low commitment. So I was selling these photos, made a few sales. And, you know, I promoted it. Social media I had these flyers as well. So on the, any day there was good surf in Aberdeen, had these flyers which said, I think they said, I think I got a shot of you ripping. And I put them under people's, you know, windscreen wipers. And they would direct people to the social media and the website where they could potentially buy sessions. I never, never sold a photography session in Scotland. Uh, but, you know, they were up for sale. Um, or the prints. Those were the two kind of, products that, that I sold or services that I sold. And I also did a couple of giveaways of prints to start to grow an email list where I promoted the products that I was selling. And actually most of the sales that it ended up making came from that email list, which was relatively small. I think at its, at its peak, it probably got to, you know, 200 subscribers or something like that. So a very small list, but a good proportion of those people bought something which is, you know, an interesting piece of information. So, I, you know, I spent a lot of time on this business. I was working in the police at the time and in my spare time, I was just, you know, obsessed with this, making it as good as it could be. 
So I built a system where the customer could upload a photo of their living room or whatever room it was that they wanted to have a photography print in. And they would receive a digital mock-up of one of my photos in their space. And this took me ages. And again, I spent a lot of time on it and perhaps it was used 10 times. So you're seeing a kind of theme here maybe of what I should and shouldn't have been doing. We also had t-shirts made. I spent, I made flat lay photos of the t-shirts. I think I went to B&Q, it's a UK hardware store and I bought some sort of white MDF, like a small sheet of white MDF, something like that. Laid the t-shirts on it and you know, I was up on a chair taking photos from above into Photoshop, basically making the background completely white to make this perfect commercial photo to have a marketing photo on the website of these t-shirts. Never sold a single t-shirt. Yeah, just a silly way to be spending my time. In hindsight, it's really, really quite clear that that was a waste of time. But in the moment, I was just like, I've got this idea. I'm going to make it perfect. I'm going to make it as good as it can be. So, I mean, there were a lot of things that, that came from this business positively as well. I was able to donate some of our, I, I call it profits, but <laughs> Uh, I hesitate to say this business made any profits, but some of the revenue I was able to donate to Surfers Against Sewage, which is a charity in the UK. And just generally being able to give people photos of themselves surfing, it's something that every surfer really wants. So th there's something good in that, being able to give people that you know a, a good photo of themselves surfing. But as you might imagine, I learned quite a few things from running North Sea Surf Shots. It was much more of a hobby than a viable business. So there was never, and there was never going to be a big enough market to support the type of business that I was trying to run or trying to build in the location where I was living in Aberdeen. And my market research before starting this business had basically consisted of finding that there were other companies doing a similar thing and being like, well, if there are other companies, then I can do it too. The market's validated. But the companies that I was looking at were in places like Cornwall and Hawaii, where there's obviously a huge tourism market, people passing through who would potentially be interested in having a high quality photography print of the area, maybe local accommodation that would want to have these prints. There's just that, you know, and that's not to say that these businesses that I was looking at are even successful. I imagine a few of them are, but it needs to be properly researched and validated before I take it as my go-ahead that if I do as well, it'll work. So trying to replicate that model in Aberdeen was never really going to be successful. Like I say, it did make a fair few sales and it covered the costs of me starting it. Any kind of expenses that I had were, were covered and there was some profit. But it never came even close to paying me anything worthwhile for the time that I put into it. I don't know how many hours in total I put into this project, but you know, over the course of a year, I was putting basically most of my free time into it. get quite obsessive about making everything perfect. So I think the kind of second major takeaway was to borrow the idea of a, an MVP or a minimum viable product from the tech startup world. I mean, all these hours that I put into the details of the website, all these ideas that I had like this service for seeing a print in your home, a digital mock-up in your home, the t-shirts, I developed these to a pretty complete extent without ever really having tested or validated these ideas. So really I should not have wasted my time. And there's lots of things that I might be able to say 
work. I did come away with some positives from having done these things, maybe some wisdom and experience in these lessons. In a business sense, this was a, a total waste of my time. So the two main takeaways I take away from North Sea Surf Shots as my first ever kind of foray into starting a business, a project, whatever you want to call it, is that you have to properly validate the market. If you're trying to run a viable business, you need to have clear data on that a market exists for what you're offering. You know, that's just the baseline number one thing you have to do. And then the second takeaway, I guess, is that you should not spend time on ideas until the concept is proven. So you should start with the smallest viable product that you can sell. And only once that is selling, once that concept's proven, it's working, then you can put the time into improving it and developing it a bit more. So those are definitely two lessons which I think are relevant really for any business, but yeah, also for activity, tours and businesses. There was a couple other positives that came out of North Sea Surf Shots. I'd say it ignited that kind of entrepreneurial drive in me. It was something that I'd never really been interested in before. As you know, I was getting my salary in the police. I was quite happy. Well, you know, to a certain extent, happy with the stability, at least the salary was providing me. And having done this business and kind of maybe raising my profile a little bit in Scotland, in the surfing world in Scotland, that, that was what let me get my first opportunities working as a surf instructor and later as a paddleboard instructor. So I got a job for a season as a freelance surf instructor for a local surf school in Scotland. This is after I left the police. And then after that season, I later moved to Fuerteventura in the Spanish Canary Islands, where I worked as a freelance surf and paddleboard instructor and sometimes also a surf photographer for a number of different schools there. Yeah, so I'm in Fuerteventura, loving life. There's a lot of sun, a lot of good waves. And the schools I worked for were of, you know, varying different sizes, maybe diff different business models from, you know, a one person setup run from just a box trailer to a commercial kite surfing school and shop. And I also worked for a bigger surf camp operation with, you know, many more weekly customers coming through each and every week. So it was a really cool to be able to work for these type of businesses in the industry I'm interested in working in, you know, in different types of businesses, different sizes of businesses, so that I could see how they worked. What I thought, you know, from my perspective, they were doing well or doing badly. And that experience was honestly invaluable for being able to set up my own school. So some of the lessons I learned from working for, let's say those three main types of operations. I learned, you know, the, the importance of controlling cost. When I worked for the smaller operation, the guy I was working for was really good at controlling costs, you know, which is something you might imagine I wouldn't be so great at if I've got the personality of like, everything has to be as good as it can possibly be. So trying to kind of heed that lesson when I'm considering how to go about developing new product ideas or promoting ideas, something I try to come back to, that is this an essential cost? What is gonna be the return on investment if I spend this money, is it worth spending it? Really important. And then I worked for a commercial kite surfing school and shop, which had a smaller surf school, which I was basically put in charge of, how to promote it. 
but it was very small groups that we would take out. So I took away from that definitely how to deliver more personal and private experiences, how to make them more valuable to the customer who is paying a premium to come along. And that's been valuable in some of the things I offer now. And then I worked for this big surf camp operation in Fuerteventura as well. And they had, I mean, I may as well say it, it was a homegrown, really great school. And they had these big yellow vans, which they would park, big yellow vans with their branding on it and, you know, flower decals all along the sides. And they would park these vans, you know, at any given time, there was probably five or six of these vans parked along the main strip of Coralejo, which was like the the biggest town where we were based, the biggest tourist surf town in, in Fuerteventura anyway. And I just, I think that that's brilliant branding. Anyone that's walking down that street, they'll see these yellow vans five, six times as they walk down the street. And then, you know, later you'd get people saying to you all the time, oh, you're the, you're the yellow van surf school. So in a very crowded market, which was Fuerteventura for surfing, that colorful character full visible branding was really important. And that's something I've taken away for my own school here in Scotland. And the other thing I think I took away from working for the bigger surf camp operation was how to kind of deal with setting up systems and processes in a bigger operation. When you're dealing with multiple employees or subcontractors, freelancers, how they set up, you know, picking up the customers, arranging where people had to go each day, how do you clean and store equipment? Having systems for all those things was really important and was something that I'd never really had to deal with before, working for a smaller school or working in the kind of smaller surf function of the kite surfing school. It was just something which I basically just dealt with myself. So being able to see these systems at work was really valuable when setting up systems for my own business. So I was working for, well, I worked variously for these schools in my freelance career. And at this time, the surf photography project, North Sea Surf Shots, was just gathering dust. The social media was dormant. The website was sitting up there doing nothing. And by that time, I really had no intention of going back to it. I'd not really verbalised the thoughts about it that I have now, but I, I knew that it was a failed experiment and it had already kind of provided the benefits it was going to provide and I was ready to move on from it. So... I was in for Aventura and I ended up repurposing a lot of the assets and the, and the website that I'd created for North Sea Surf Shots into a new project, which I creatively named Forte Surf Shots, which I ran as a kind of side business for private clients in Fuerteventura. So I was selling digital surf photography and private surf guiding, coaching with photography included to customers that who were tourists visiting the Canary Islands. And so I managed to market and sell these in a couple of different ways. Uh, so one of them was digital surf photography. So I was sending people photos of themselves surfing. Uh, so for this, I would go to a surf spot. It was called Los Lobos, which is a small island just off the coast of the main island of Fuerteventura. And it has a very, very nice wave, wave on it. And it's a very picturesque wave as well. So I would get the you get a boat over, get the boat over there, jump in the water and I'd swim about taking photos of people surfing for a few hours. And surfers love getting photos of themselves surfing. So basically anyone, they catch a long wave down the point and they're swimming back and they have to swim past me, bobbing about in the water with my camera. So everyone talks to you. 
So you're able to say, yeah, you can find me on, you know, this is a website, this is the Instagram. And that was how I mainly made the sales for digital surf photography. And then the other kind of element of it was private surf guiding uh, and coaching with photography included. So the idea was that it was supposed to be a bit more of a premium, unique package that people could buy to kind of get personal coaching and also have the memory and, you know, photography of their experience. Surfing in a pretty picturesque place for Ventura is beautiful and the waves are high quality. And that was promoted pretty much exclusively through Instagram, which, you know, I, I had beautiful photos, so it had a decent success. You know, it built up a following. There's a lot of traffic on Instagram, you know, in inverted commas. There's lots of people looking at surfing related Fuerteventura content on Instagram. And that Instagram account still exists today. I've, I've yet to really figure out what to do with it. It still exists today and it gets inquiries pretty regularly for surf photography sessions. But Forte Surf Shots ultimately was a failure as well. And probably for a few different reasons. And it probably could have been a success if things had been different. But I never really took care of setting up the business properly. I was still, I mean, I think of Fuerteventura as kind of a pirate country. So there, there was a lot you could get away with. It's pretty cool that I could rock up there from Scotland to a place I really have no connection to. There's people from all over the world there who are there for surfing. And I'm there, this person from Scotland who likes surfing. And I can see a little gap in the market for a niche offering market on Instagram and start receiving inquiries and, and bookings straight away. And so I hold Fuerteventura very fondly in my, in, you know, in my memory because it's kind of like the Wild West, I see it. There's a lot of places where you couldn't really rock up, places in the surfing world, I mean, where you couldn't really rock up and, and do something like that. There'd be a lot more barriers to someone coming in and doing that. But I never really made much of a business plan. I had my freelance work for the schools that I was working for on the side, which was paying my bills. So there wasn't really ever any pressure for me to grow the business or really take it seriously. So it was a fun thing for me to work on on the side. But in hindsight, I definitely could have started and grown a serious business in Fuerteventura, whether it was Fuerte Surf Shots or branded to something else. There's a massive market in Fuerteventura with enough customers to go around. So it definitely would have taken some focus and proper business thinking to make a plan and get something off the ground, but I wasn't in that place. At that time, I was in a pretty rocky relationship with my now ex-girlfriend, which was draining a lot of time and energy. So for that reason, and probably a couple other reasons, I wasn't in the best place personally to be settled and thinking about starting and growing a real business sustainably. So given that, there's a couple main lessons, a couple takeaways I think I took away from that experience. Number one, the people you have in your personal life will have a huge impact on your ability to start and grow, run a business. You need to be in a good place with good support around you. Just, just huge, just a huge point. And again, back to the importance of a validated market. So in Fuerteventura, there are hundreds of surf related businesses. It's a very clearly validated market, but it's something that I really didn't think much about at the time. So, you know, with hindsight and the benefit of that, it's clearly the same lesson again. You must research and validate your market before putting time into an idea. But that came to an end as well with COVID. That was at the beginning of COVID. Things were very, very uncertain in the Canary Islands. Tourism disappeared for a good portion of time. And by this time, I'd been there for around three years. So 
I took it as a sign that it was a time for a change and I made my way back home to Scotland. Without really a clear plan in mind, but once I did get back, I pretty quickly realised that I wanted to start a sustainable business for myself and not work for someone else. That's a big driver. So that brings me to Blue Coast, which is the business that I own and run now. So I spent about a year researching and planning Blue Coast before I launched. And I took a not insignificant loan to cover my startup costs, which were, you know, the, the, the main costs were investing in equipment and investing in a box trailer mainly. And Blue Coast is now into its second year. And I'd say it's great success. It's able to pay me a salary. I've taken on my first employee and I work with a couple subcontractors and I'm able to retain some money in the business for, you know, future plans, future growth. So it's still not completely stabilized. It's a new business. Uh, so there's definitely some uncertainty still there. You know, we're not out of the woods yet, but everything is moving in the right direction. And so far, I'd say there's a few lessons that I've really learned uh, just having run Blue Coast, which is very different from my previous projects because it is a real full-time business, whereas the others were side projects that were never treated in the same way. They never had to make payroll or, you know, pay my salary so that I can afford to pay rent, pay mortgage, buy food, etc. So there's very different factors at play in these to succeed in a way in which the others never did. So the lessons that I've learned from Blue Coast are different. Blue Coast is in a validated market. I've worked for another school in this market before. I knew the market was there. And the location also has validated traffic. It's a tourism location. It's a seasonal business, but yeah, I mean, I did my due diligence before I opened Blue Coast. I spent, like I say, about a year on the research and planning before it got off the ground. It wasn't just, a, oh, I could do this in my, you know, chilling at home one day on the laptop and then just start, you know, putting things on a website, getting a social media account opened. There was a lot more went into it. And I'd say that that's essential really for any real business. You need, need to put the time in. But yes, getting onto the lessons that I've learned so far. So talking about time, controlling how I spend my time and prioritizing how I spend my time has been a real challenge because essentially I'm running this by myself. So it is seasonal. It runs from April through October and then, you know, November to uh, March are the off season. So we don't run activities during that time. But what I found is like, for example, in July and August, sometimes we're every day we're running activities, sometimes triple sessions, which means you're working from say nine to sometimes nine at night. So you're knackered. You don't have a lot of time to do anything else, do, do other work on the business. So for the first season, it was a bit chaotic, hectic, you know, a few late nights, more than a few late nights getting last minute things done. And then one of my main goals for the off season was, you know, creating more systems to let me get in control of my time not just for working on the business and being able to do all the things that I needed to do in the business, but also being able to have some free time to spend with my, you know, my family, my girlfriend, just that downtime to relax. Crucial. So that what I've kind of fallen onto is, is time blocking. I found it's really the only way that I'm able to control my time properly. So yeah, I set aside time for the various things that I need to do. I use a project management system, task management system to make sure that 
things are allocated a date and time in which they will be done. And even now with things like I want to start growing, running this podcast as a side project, I can't really afford to put a lot of time into this podcast. But if I don't block some time out of my week to working on it, then, you know, it will never get any time put into it because there's always something else to do. So time blocking, I think, has been crucial. And the other thing time related is prioritizing time. So it's probably similar for you if you're running the business by yourself, if you're growing a business by yourself. There's all these functions that you've got to do and there's probably some functions which you enjoy more. Maybe you enjoy marketing, maybe you enjoy actually delivering the service. Lots of different things you could enjoy. And when I'm sitting in front of a list of tasks that I have to complete, I'm going to pick, given no system, I'm going to pick the one which I think I'll enjoy the most instead of sometimes the one which is going to have the most immediate positive effect to the numbers, to the bottom line, to the business. So each day looking at the tasks and prioritizing them by what's going to move the needle has been a crucial lesson. It's very easy to get sidetracked with things I enjoy most. For me, I quite enjoy fiddling about with the website, changing things, experimenting, but you know, beyond a certain point, the benefit of that is, you know, it's diminishing returns. And there's lots of things that I could be spending my time on, which would improve the business. So it's really having that in mind, being able to prioritize. I touched a little bit on the importance of systems. I'm using now an automation service. It's called make.com. It used to be called Integramat, which allows me to create systems that have saved me a lot of time. So I'll give one example. Part of my marketing plan is to provide all customers with photos of themselves during the experience because it's the best marketing that you can have. They'll share that on their social media. It's reaching potential customers directly from someone they already trust, who is a friend, a family member, someone they know. So if they post those photos on social media, it's literally the best marketing that I can get and it's free. So I always try to give customers' photos of their experience. But last year I had no system for this. So they're aware that I've been taking photos during the lesson. I say to them, you'll get these photos in a couple of days. I'll get them uploaded and emailed to you. And every night, every couple of nights, I had to get on, export all these photos onto the computer. I was, you know, going through them, doing a few quick edits, uploading them to Google Drive, creating a share link, sending an email to the individual customers on the booking. Here are your photos, have a look. You can download them if you like, etc. This was taking ages, such a long time I was spending doing this. And, you know, by the end of sometimes a 12-hour day, I did not want to come home and spend an hour on the computer sending photos to people. So over the off-season, I developed a automated system using one of the services I'd used before for photo downloads in Fuerte Surfshots and North Sea Surfshots. So now customers, after their booking, receive an automated email saying, here's the link to where you can download your photos. If they're not there, check back in three days, something like that. And once a week, I go on, upload all the photos. I don't have to send any emails. It cuts the time I have to spend doing this, you know, by, say, 70%. And, And that's just one of the systems I've managed to create to save me time with these automation services. So... Systems for automating manual tasks, I think, are crucial for being able to have more time as a owner-operator, single-person business. 
And finally, the budget. A budget in a seasonal business is essential because by the end of the main season, have a look at the bank account, you might be thinking, whoa, there's a decent chunk of change in there. I'm going to be fine. Everything's good. Everything's rosy. But that money is your salary for, you know, the five months of the off season. However, you know, some people's off season is seven months, you know, eight months. So all of the money is made in a few months and it has to last. We're like squirrels stuffing our cheeks. And without a budget, how do you know if there's going to be enough money? How do you know that by the start of the following season, you're not going to be in a bit of a ropey spot? You've got expenses coming up and you're waiting on money to come in from the next customers and your season hasn't started yet. Can you tell that I'm talking a little bit from experience? So yeah, the budget's crucial. And that's something that I've now developed, budget and projections, not just for being able to plan properly, but also for just the peace of mind that that gives you, like how much you're expecting to make, how much you're expecting to spend. You can be really quite conservative in these estimates. So you've given yourself some wiggle room if things don't go exactly according to plan. So yeah, those are the three main lessons so far that I've learned, but I am learning all the time. And they are just a few that have stuck out to me as some pretty important ones that I've had to learn so far. I thought it would also be good to add that during the time that I was abroad, the time after I left at the police, I also completed a business management degree through distance learning with the Open University in the UK. And while not all of the course material was relevant to what I'm doing, I do think that a lot of the concepts learned and you know the applied business thinking has been incredibly helpful for planning and working on Blue Coast. So if that's an opportunity that you have available to you, it doesn't have to be an actual degree. There's lots of free courses out there. Doing some business study, I do think, helps you get in the right frame of mind to be able to apply reason thinking to your business planning. So that's me just coming to the end of me talking about myself. I think that was a pretty self-indulgent episode more as a means of an introduction to who I am. But I hope you found that getting to know a little bit about where I've come from and the kind of key takeaways that I've learned, I hope you found that helpful. A lot of the takeaways I think seem obvious to me now and maybe sound quite obvious, but it's only through experience that I've really been able to kind of absorb those lessons into my thinking. And I think that's often the case. So that's why I hope that this podcast can be helpful for you because listening to someone else's experience has definitely helped me be able to think about things in a different way. So I hope that some of the things I've spoken about help you think about some of the problems you might be facing in your business at the moment. And yes, I'm looking forward to getting into some interviews with people far more experienced than me in you know their respective activity businesses and learning from their stories and the things that they've done well the things that they maybe have learned from so look out for the next episode in a couple weeks time and please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss it thank you for listening